The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt. Thanks for turn- tuning in with us today. If you're watching us on Facebook, please share us with your friends and family. Um, make some comments there. Even if you're just saying hi, it does um, help the algorithm to make us show up in other people's news feeds. So um, that helps us to grow organically and get the word out about financial issues. Also, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. It comes out every Friday afternoon. It's very well done. It's concise. You get the headlines, but you can also click on those if you want to go deeper into some of the things that we talk about during the week here. Um, Also, if you are a partner, we finally did get approval for the partner conference call that that I did last week. That will be up, and you will be able to go and listen to it. So make sure that you do that. We did talk about the uh, pre-election strategy and what we're working on post-election and some of my thoughts in and around that. So uh, make sure if you're a partner, go and check that out. We did get the first estimate of third quarter GDP. So as a recap, we have two negative quarters of GDP for the first and second quarter of 2022. That is puts us in a technical recession. That is the definition of recession. Um, We have a lot of characteristics in the economy that are not totally characteristic of being in a recession, like strong employment, a strong housing market. Those things are under um, a weakening trend. But for now, they are still pretty positive. So the consensus for economists was that we were going to see a 2.3% annualized increase from the second quarter, and we actually got 2.6%. So this advance estimate showed a contribution from net trade increased to 2.77 as the trade gap narrowed. (laughs) That doesn't usually happen. So exports were actually up 14.4%, led by hmm, sales of petroleum products, non-automotive capital goods, and financial services. So, um, you know, that we might have a little bit of trouble with these exports in the fourth quarter as we're seeing those river levels in the Mississippi River still be very low, and it's, it's becoming very hard for uh, farmers to get their products down the river, which is where they send them to export. And they're saying that it's now costing more for them to get down the river to the Gulf of Mexico, it costs more to get there than it does to go from the Gulf of Mexico to, say, China. So at the same time, um, speaking of GDP, non-residential investment jumped 3.7% as uh, increased in equipment and intellectual property products were partially offset by a decrease in structures. So the drag was from uh, was less from private inventories building up that we saw post-COVID. Consumer spending slowed sharply. So, you know, consumers may be going into a hunker-down mentality as they've just seen inflation erode more and more of their purchasing power. Um, this number, this GDP number, will still go through a couple more revisions before it's final. So this is the first read that we get prior to the election. Um, that won't hurt the uh, the Democrats as bad as if we had seen a negative number here confirming uh, more that we were headed into recession. But keep in mind that we're still going to go through a couple more revisions on that. Uh, PCE which is personal consumption expenditure. And this is a a measure that is looked at hardly, uh, very closely by the Fed. It's the change in the price of goods and services purchased by consumers for the purpose of consumption. So prices are weighted according to a total expenditure per item. And the number for the PCE 
rose by an annualized 4.2% in the third quarter. Now, that is, even though it rose, it's indicating that inflation is still around. It is good because it was uh, it's much lower than the 7.3% uh, annual gain that we saw just last month. So core prices for personal consumption, which is um, more the number that the Fed hones in on more, and it excludes food and energy, which is, you know, not really relevant to those of us who spend a lot of our money on that. It actually rose by an annualized 4.5% following 4.7% in the previous quarter. So personal income numbers also came out. It increased slightly and personal savings decreased. So all of this is uh, the fallout from higher inflation. We are in the midst of earnings season. Banks and credit card companies have reported stronger a stronger consumer in the last quarter. Tech companies are suffering a little bit because of demand in PCs and advertising is slowing. So that impacts the social media companies because that's where they get a large a large uh, chunk of their revenue. So advertising spending is decreasing because they are expecting the consumer to go into that hunker down mentality. Um, we have the read for um, October for consumer confidence came out. It was expected to be 106.5, but it came in at 102. So that indicates that the consumer, this is a forward-looking number. So the consumer is really um, becoming more pessimistic on the near-term outlook for the economy. So this is going to be mean... Um, you know, more softening and weakening in the economy. On the inflation front, we could potentially have more inflation coming, maybe not higher, but definitely more persistent as we look at food and fuel. So diesel prices are expected to soar this fall due to a shortage of diesel um, because of European demand. So their embargo against Russian diesel is going to go into effect in February. And so they are going to be, they're trying they're actually ramping up their purchases from the U.S. right now. And Biden's old tricks of draining the SPR won't work this time because we're at full capacity just about for refining in this country. So you can take more out, but it's just going to sit there until it can get refined and get to market. We also have the Mississippi River at historically low levels, and that doesn't seem to be changing much, even though we did have a little bit of rain. The soil is soaking up most of that. So, um, you know, you just want to make sure that you partner with us here at the ministry, make sure that you get all of this timely information. We do put forth a portfolio strategy so that you can um, have a good long-term strategy and feel confident that you are honoring the Lord with your money. So if you are watching us on a Saturday on an AFR station, we are not live, but you can catch us live on our phone app. You can also um, see that part of our strategy involves getting some permanent income from an AFA gift annuity. So we think that that is a great way to make a gift into kingdom work, support the AFA Foundation, which does a great work of, of uh, promoting the kingdom in the earth, and you get some fixed income and some tax help in the form of a tax deduction. So go to our page, financialissues.org, and click on the AFA banner, and that will get you over there, and you can even contact AFA Foundation to get more information on that terrible gift annuity. Well, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to be back with more financial issues. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you, and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800 
800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry a life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250, keyword baby, pound 250 baby or donate securely at preborn.com that's preborn.com do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks think about it when you invest in a company you make a decision to support the things that that company supports and it may not be things that you agree with we had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion gambling and pornography Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children, and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit IndiaPartners.org to see how you your gift can reach into the red light district and provide days of safety for one of these 5 million children. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we are continuing on for our beloved founder, Dan Celia, who went into glory earlier this year. Let's get right to some calls. First, we have Brian from Illinois. Hi, Brian. You're on financial issues. Yes. Good morning, Shanna. Good morning. I have a question about. Uh, I'm inheriting uh, roughly 125,000, and I was wanting to invest it uh, and uh, get income off that money. Uh, I have a Fidelity account currently and is wanting to see what your suggestions i'm 54 years old okay so if you're a partner with us you can look at our asset allocation models right there on the website they are broken down by age of course um it also depends on when you plan to retire so if you're 54 but for some reason, you you have a lot of resources and you plan to retire early. You might use an older older uh, model, the sixty five in retirement. Um, if you're younger, then you might. Um, um, if you have longer to retirement, you might use one of the younger models. But you can find them all right there with the with the buy list. Um, if you have a brokerage account with Fidelity, then you should be able to purchase all of the stocks, mutual funds, and or ETFs that are on our list. Okay. Uh, that's what I was thinking about doing, and uh, I'll go, I'm a partner, and I'll go ahead and do that, and I'll just in, 
uh, invest in income-producing stocks, uh, producing dividends. Great. So we've got a lot of great ones on the buy list. Um, the ones that are income-producing, you'll see little notes on some of them, but the ones that are really consistent and good income-producing stocks are the ones that are highlighted in blue. So you can look for those in the various sectors. Um, I wouldn't expect that we would have any, uh, many, if any, new companies added to the buy list in the next couple of weeks ahead of the election. We are working diligently on modifications to the asset allocation models depending the outcome of the election because I do believe that, you know, whatever whatever happens in these midterm elections is going to very heavily influence things like spending and taxes and government investment and all of those things. So there there's likely to be different pockets of opportunity. So if you're, you know, you you do want to take a dollar cost averaging approach and get in little by little and it wouldn't hurt if you want to wait uh, a couple of weeks just to see what the new models look like. Okay. Would you suggest going the income portfolio? The income portfolio is designed for people who are actually taking the income. So if that's you, then that might be one thing to consider. I also tend to say that if your life expectancy is 10 years or less, and I'm not speaking death over anybody, I'm just saying the you know, statistically speaking, then that might be a good model for you. Um, a lot of people tend to think that going into the income portfolio means, you know, lower volatility, more conservative in income. But that's not necessarily the case because, you know, the, if the goal is to get the most income and the focus is not on preservation of principle, you know, if you're trying to get the invest for the income, sometimes you have to take a little bit higher risk to get that higher income. So, you know, because of your age, I would I would tend to say just stick with your age model, but look for more of those blue stocks. Okay. All right. Thank you, Shannon. All right. Appreciate Thanks it. for calling. Yep. All right. Let's get to Tom. Tom's calling us from Arkansas. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Hey. Uh, reason for my call, I was wondering about a kind of a little strategy that I've, I've been implementing with everything down. Uh, you know, I've just been buying as much in the positions I already have and and stuff that's on the buy list. And, you know, I get a little bit overweighted in one area or another, but, you know, rather than cutting back, I just kind of add to the other positions, you know, to kind of bring the whole thing up. And... You know, our, our Roth is up like 70-something percent overall, and uh, I have an investment account. It hovers. It was doing really good to the last drop. and But anyway, it, it stays right, been staying right there, you know, pretty close to even, or it'll drop a few percent or go positive a few percent. But that's mostly because I've been buying a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, since everything's down. But, uh, I mean, we're, we're just tickled to death with, with following y'all's recommendations and i was just kind of wondering about the what i've been doing you know just adding like i say just buying you know since everything's been so so down it just looks like an opportunity to you know get some good prices on on a lot of different stocks yeah i think you're right you know that's what we have to do is you know if we don't believe that the the u.s is a great place to invest, then you shouldn't be in the stock market at all. But if we believe that there's still a lot of potential there, and I do believe that, um, even though there are there's a lot of bad news, you know, the economy is starting to weaken. But you know, from a global perspective, we're still one of the best places to invest. And so, if you believe that that's the case, it only makes sense to take advantage when things are down. So. If history repeats itself, which it doesn't always, it's not a, a guarantee of future results, we know that, you know, things happen in cycles and they'll eventually come back. So taking advantage of the sale prices is a very wise thing to do. So you want to build your portfolio out until you have enough diversification within the sectors. Um, you know, if you're building your own portfolio, you probably want to have somewhere around uh, 25 to 35 
individual companies there. So you can take a look at the asset allocation models and see how that breaks down. You'll have more in some sectors than in others. But if you already have that many stocks, you don't want to just, you don't want to buy everything that comes onto the buy list, regardless of of what you have. You don't want to end up with a hundred stocks in your portfolio because then you'll face dilution. Um, So nothing in your portfolio will make too much of an impact on the performance one way or another. So it's a good idea if you already have all of your positions, if you have enough positions to just continue to add to them. So I think you're doing a great job, Tom. I would just keep up the good work. All right. Well, we've got Mary Beth. She's calling from Illinois. Hi, Mary Beth. You're on financial issues. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm going to retire in a couple of months, and I have a choice. I I have a retirement pension, and it will get like a 3% compounded cost of living adjustment yearly for the rest of my life, or I can take like a lump sum payment and get a 1.5% non-compounded cost of living increase for the rest of my life. The one-time lump sum will be about 100000 So I wondered if it was smarter to take the 100000 and put it into like, I, I have a 457 plan right now to roll that into that or take the compounded raise. Um, the amount of that I'll be getting monthly is about four thousand. Four thousand monthly. Yeah, that would be what the raise would would be figured on. The three percent would be figured on about four thousand monthly. So there's a four thousand dollar monthly payment or a hundred thousand dollar lump sum. Um, I'll get the four thousand dollars no matter what. So, mm-hmm. based on the 4000 I can either take a 3% cost of living increase that will be compounded annually, or I can take like $100,000 right see. now and forfeit that increase. And then that increase would, would be like 1.5% non-compounded mm-hmm. in a couple of years. I think I would opt for taking the $100,000 um, because you're going to have control over that. If you lock in that 3% cost of living increase, you've basically just um, locked in your rate of return at 3%. Inflation's over 8 right now. Um, I think it will come down eventually if we can get government spending under control and you know get some of the liquidity taken out of the system. Um, but I think inflation is going to persist for a little while. So if you're only getting raises at 3% and inflation is persistently higher than that, then, you know, you're actually going to lose. The other thing that taking that lump sum payment does is it uh, allows you to take control of that money. So if for some reason you had to had a need to spend it quicker, let's say that you had some, some costs come up that you just didn't have... Uh, you know, any other money you you couldn't um, pay for with future raises, you would actually have access to some of that money. Um, I think that you could invest that money and easily get that 3% um, extra income that, that you would be getting if you, if you went the other direction. Okay. So, I have currently have like a 457B account, and if I just, I could roll the entire amount into that account, right? And then I could disperse it however I wanted to. Because I know like, like 401Ks, you're limited to how much you can put in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're limited to what your contribution can be, but if it's a rollover from some other type of plan, there shouldn't really be any limits there. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Yes, I really I really appreciate the advice because a lot of people are saying, no, no, take the raise. And I'm thinking, 
that doesn't really make sense for, for a lot of the yeah. reasons that you said, you know. Mm-hmm. The other thing to look at, too, is the health of the pension fund. So, you know, usually pensions are pretty <laughs> safe. There have been some some cases where pension funds have just totally gone away, but that's the other yeah. consideration that you want to take a look at. You're absolutely right. I hadn't thought of that. All yeah. right. Well, thank you very much, and God bless you, and you're doing a great job. Dan would be proud. Oh, thank you for that. And thanks for calling and thanks for being a partner with us. We appreciate it. We're going to take a short break and then we're going to be back with Deb from Guide. So don't go anywhere. This is a really exciting last half of the show that we've got coming up. Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances, even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty that you have. You're not taking anything in. It is incredibly generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. People are talking a lot about health care these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament. Christianity, this idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Securities offered through G.A. Reppel & Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily represent those of G.A. Reppel or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I know you guys are so excited for this segment, as am I. I've been waiting for this for a long time. We have a special guest with us today. Debbie Wethnow, I believe I pronounced it right, is with Guide. And in case you haven't heard, we have a midterm election coming up in just two weeks. And I know politics can be so frustrating for so many people that we just want to stick our heads in the sand and not worry about it. But folks, we have a stewardship responsibility for this country, and we have to vote. So welcome, Debbie. Thanks for being here with us today. I'm so glad to finally be here, Shanna. <laughs> Great. Well, tell us, what is the I Voter Guide and how can our listeners use it? Oh, goodness. I Voter Guide is a tool to equip Christians or faith-based voters to be good stewards of their citizenship. Stewardship is an issue for us as well. And so I Voter Guide is, an, it's a website, obviously. You go to ivoterguide.com. And we will provide for you all across America uh, your ballot with information on the candidate races and candidates that are on your ballot and research on those candidates so that you know not just what they have say they're going to do, but what they have done. So we have a wonderful team of, gosh, it's over 50 researchers who are doing the uh, putting the candidates in our system and doing the dig to find their websites, their social media. We download their campaign finance data so we know who has given to their campaign, but we also know who they as an individual have supported because what a candidate does with their money, I'm sure you would agree, tells us a lot about what is important to them. So that's one of the data points that we gather. If a candidate has ever held office before, there are organizations that 
score them. They score their votes when they're, if, whether they're in the House chamber or they're in the U.S. Congress or Senate. We call those scorecards. So we go to hundreds of different organizations with a variety of issues represented across the spectrum, both liberal and conservative, to, to score those candidates. Because the best predictor of what somebody's going to do when you elect them is what they've done with maybe a previous office or a previous uh, office job that they've held. So scorecards, campaign finance data, more research. We gather their endorsements. If a candidate has been endorsed by, um, we've got thousands of endorsers in our system. We're entering all of those endorsements. And then like most voter guides that you've ever seen, we give every candidate a chance to answer our survey questions. We have uh, about 35 questions on each survey covers a broad spectrum of issues from the economy to uh, pro-life, to religious liberty, to immigration, to health care, um, and even their values, because we want to get at not just the political philosophy of each candidate, but we would like to be able to determine or uh, to vet their worldview. Because if you know a candidate's worldview, that'll tell you how they'll vote on a lot of issues without actually having to know a specific vote of how they would have done something. So iVoterGuide is data-driven. It's a personalized ballot, and it's available online. But what's unique about it is that we evaluate each candidate. So each candidate gets a rating from verified liberal to verified conservative. Um, it's a seven-point scale, and it's our predictor based on all of the research um, and their website and their social media of how they're going to vote if we elect them. And that is done by an army of over a thousand volunteers that work with iVoterGuide, that dig through the data, that follow our criteria, and, and then just trying to give you with the voter an easy side-by-side -side, uh, comparison of the candidates and their political philosophy. I, I threw a lot at you, Shanna. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is great, you know, because I think in the last 2020 election, there were somewhere around 15 million evangelical Christians that didn't vote. And we know how close the margins were in that election, and we see the result because elections have consequences. But people just get so frustrated because they don't know who to vote for, especially if we listen to the news. You know, there's all of these high-profile people that are politicians that are always in the news. And, you know, they're not necessarily in even somebody that we could vote for if we wanted to. So I like that I've seen iVoterGuide, and I like that it gives me the local— and how, how far down to the local level does it go? Well, iVoterGuide is nationwide. So we are, I'll start at the top. We're in all 50 states covering all the Senate and the U.S. Congress, which is absolutely critical this election. There are 35 states out of the 50 where we cover the statewide races. So from governor to secretary of state to state board of education to comptroller to in Texas railroad commissioner, any statewide office, if we're in that state, we will cover those statewide offices, including um, some state Supreme Court. So we're actually evaluating some judges that are at the statewide level. And then beyond that, there are 33 states where we are covering the state legislature. So in that state, um, their state Senate, their state House representatives. And then we even go beyond that in a few instances because we understand the, the more local we get, the harder it is to find information. So we have a trial run this year for the very first time of cover, covering county judge race in three of the largest counties in Texas. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we've got Dallas County, we've got uh, Tarrant County, which is the Fort Worth area, and then Harris County, which is in the Houston area. And then be on top of that, we have school board coverage. So uh, we watched what happened in Loudoun County just along with all of your listeners and saw the importance of the school board and what was being taught our children. And, and it's the school board who determines what is taught to our children. So we wanted to give voters information on who runs in those races because in most cases, they're nonpartisan. You have nothing to go on. I'm not even a party label on those candidates. So we are covering about... I'm going to, this year we've covered about 200 school um, board races. So we're covering some in Florida, some in Texas, some in Nevada, some in, we covered some in Montana. Um, we work with uh, local boots on the ground that are going to help us make sure we've got good information on those local candidates. So in some cases, we'll go all the way down to school board. 
Mm, that's great stuff. And I'm, I'm hoping that everyone that's listening right now will go to the iVoter Guide and get the ballot for their race. But, you know, for what about all the people that aren't listening? What, what can we do at the individual level? How can we get involved in our communities, in our churches, in our spheres of influence? What kind of resources can we use? Well, individually, you can use iVoterGuide. I would encourage you to sign up for our email list because then we will email you when there's a next election upcoming. Could be a special election next year. Could be a local race that we're going to cover. If you're on our email list, we'll let you know. But we also send about once a week educational emails. And a great way to to be salt and light is to share what you learn if it's helpful to you. So forward iVoterGuide emails. Um, You can forward them nationwide, obviously, because iVoterGuide works for I have relatives in North Carolina and Utah and Pennsylvania. iVoterGuide.com works in all of those cases. And all somebody does is go to the website and enter their personalized voting address, you know, wherever you vote from, your, your home, and then you'll get the races on your ballot. So you don't have to know that you're in Congressional District 3 and House District 14. Um, we'll just show you the races on your ballot. And if we do go down ballot, you'll see that as well. So... Being responsible for yourself and your own vote and voting wisely yourself using iVoterGuide, sharing it with other people. We also have resources you could pass out in your neighborhood or your church at the iVoterGuide.com website. In the top menu is the word act. In the top menu, click act, and then you will see a tile for church resources. You can print out little business cards. You can print out a bulletin insert, pass that out at church. Um, And then there's neighborhood resources that you could pass out. But even on an individual level, when you're looking at your personal ballot, there's a little print icon in in the upper right of where we list your races. You can print that, and it's a very printer-friendly list of the candidates on your ballot and their evaluation. You could print that and hand that out to your neighbors to to let them know how liberal or conservative or moderate the, the candidates that are on their ballot are. That's great because, you know, one of the natural talents of a politician is to be able to sound good, right? They have to be able to present themselves in a good light. And it can get so confusing when they twist words, you know, like pro-choice almost sounds like a good thing to be, right? We're in a free country. We should have the ability to choose. And so whenever they start to say these things, it can it can really start to twist your brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I like, I, I know the the worldview that iVoter looks through because you guys are a part of, of AF, AFA, right? Or AFR right now. Yeah. AFA. AFA. Family. So I know the biblical worldview that you guys look through, but you don't really tell people who to vote for or endorse any candidates, you just lay it out in plain English, right? Exactly. We're just a tool to help you be a good steward. So it's not a list of who to vote for or who not to vote for, but it's equipping you to decide who who is worthy of your vote and uh, just giving you that great tool. And I will add one last thing because I know we're short on time, but we have uh, just recently understood the importance of ballot measures And there are some ballot measures that are on the ballot this year Mm. relating to life and election integrity that iVoterGuide for the very first time is going to cover. They're in about 11 different states or 10 states and 11 ballot measures. And it'll be down at the bottom of your ballot, just like your ballot measures are on your ballot. And we're just trying to give you the both sides of the argument, because, as you said, candidates will spin things and use code words. But those ballot measures, they word it in a way that you read it and go, what does that mean? So that's actually what we've got is what it says, what it means, and what are the arguments on both sides. That's in, great. in all cases, we are seeking to be your one-stop shop to be a good steward of your vote. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to give you the last few seconds here to motivate people why they should vote because Christians can get uh, make so many excuses why we shouldn't get involved in dirty politics. But let's motivate the people and then tell them where to go. Well, uh, number one, it's a stewardship issue. We have to be salt and light. So you need to be casting your vote and casting it wisely. You need to go to iVoterGuide.com. You need to share it with other people. And you've got to get out of the pew. We've got to participate in are really close. And your one vote could be the one that makes All right. Thanks, Debbie Westnow with iVoterGuide. Go there and get your voter guide. I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. We're going to be right back in just a minute. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. 
and show, to show her. her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to, to take, take care, care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple, temple of, of God. God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read his word daily, and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, no. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, building God's kingdom. We're in the financial business. We manage a couple of trusts and some estates and, of course, our own money, too. Courtney Trotter talks about the charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation. I understand annuities about as much as anyone, I guess, can. So I just felt the charitable gift annuity was a win-win situation for many people that still are generating income and still have assets because you never know when you may have to draw down on something like that. And if you don't ever have to, then it's even a better gift to get to a really good foundation like AFA, a very solid investment, a good way to help do the Lord's work, and it's there to help us as well. Find out if the charitable gift annuity can work for you by calling the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. If you like what you're hearing right now, you're going to love going to the website FISM.TV. FISM.TV is the home of nationally syndicated TV, radio, and podcast Financial Issues with Shanna Burt. But it's also home to the engaging history program A Moment in History and the news show FISM News. So keep listening to this show right here and right now. But later, when you're done, go visit our website. It's FISM.TV to learn more about this show and plenty more. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program. Welcome back to Financial Issues. As we hit the home stretch here today before the end of the program, we got a lot to get in. We've got some calls to get to, but I did want to remind you, you can watch more of FISM TV Every weekday night at 6 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, as FISM News brings you all of the world headlines from a biblical worldview. Well, let's get to these calls. Uh, We've got Ron calling from Ohio. Hi, Ron. Hello, Shanna. You hear me all right? I got you. Okay. On October 17th on your uh, the partner page, uh, it said that uh, technology and IT sectors have been combined. But if I go to the uh, portfolio tracker, I have a stock had on there, TE1, and I click on the sectors and neither technology or IT appears, so I don't know where to put that. Which model are you following? Which model? What do you mean? Uh, Which asset sorry. allocation model? I- income. Income above uh, over 65. Okay. So I'll go ahead and code it to other right now. 
um, thinking that we reduced that particular category to zero. So if it's not showing up in the asset allocation model, it's not going to show up as a choice in the tracker. And anything that's not in there, you just have to code to other. Yeah, that's what I did, but I wasn't sure if that was one of the changes you had common or not. And uh, the other question would be uh, gift annuity. I think previously I was told that it uh, belongs somewhere other than the top section of the tracker, or where did that go? Yeah, you know, I've been going back and forth on that a lot. Traditionally, we've always put it in the cash part of the portfolio, but the I'm really shifting more towards putting a charitable gift annuity in the fixed income part. So you could code it like to the uh, Timothy fixed or, you know, we haven't had any preferreds on the list in a long while and we're having trouble finding those. So you could put it right there. Um, the The reason that it's not great to go in the cash part is because you can't change it. So a charitable gift annuity is a permanent thing. And so if let's say that we reduced the cash part of the portfolio down to 10% and you had 10% in a charitable gift annuity, well, then that would mean that in your actual portfolio, you had zero cash holdings and you had to deploy all of that money. And it's not exactly the way that that we would want to see it. So you could code it to the fixed income. I think we're going to make some clarifications. We're going to do try to do a good job of making some clarifications about that and making that transition just for the tracker purposes. We're not recommending that you do anything different. If you've got a charitable gift annuity, you can't do anything different. But we still think that that's a good thing um, to do to get some permanent income. So it's still going the top part of the tracker not in the second one that is called positions, volatile funds, and stocks, and other accounts. Yeah, so I'm a fan of just having everything in one portfolio because if you if you set up two portfolios, it's going to show you um, two different strategies. I prefer to put everything in your investable portfolio under one strategy, whether it's held in the same account or five different accounts, or um, you know the bank, or whatever it is. But anything that is considered investable should go on the tracker. If it's if it's your emergency fund, shouldn't go on the tracker because if we change the percentages, you're not going to invest, or you shouldn't invest your emergency fund. So only the things that are investable there. Let's go to Jim. Jim's calling us from South Carolina. Uh, yeah. Good morning, Shannon. Uh, how morning. are you doing today? Um, um, My question is a follow-up on the cash equivalence classes. Uh, I've got a couple. I need need to sell down uh, some. And so there's, you know, Ginnie Mae's versus short-term government bonds. Um, Now, I know there's interest rate risk on both of them. And uh, in Ginnie Mae's, the redemption risk is probably small. I don't know anybody that wants to turn in there. 3% 3% mortgage for a 7% mortgage, but but just uh, is, do you have any idea which ones of those I would sell? Uh, I know that Fed funds rate, when nobody knows what the terminal rate's going to be. It's probably, probably going to be 5%, but, and I guess some of these funds, their fund prices depend on, you know, new inflows and new money, but but if I need to sell some down, which, which one adjusts more quickly to the rising interest rates and What you're going to want to do is, uh, I don't know exactly which positions that you're going to do, but um, put those in, I don't know, look on your brokerage site or just you can Google them and there's a lot of financial sites out there. What you're going to want to look at is the the average duration for the securities inside each fund. Keep the one that has the shortest duration because the longer the the duration goes, that, that has to do with the maturity the more interest rate sensitive it's going to be. So I know we have several different companies on there. I don't know the stats uh, of all of them off the top of my head, but just go and look at the the average duration there. And I didn't catch which model you're following. Um, 65 and plus. Okay. Uh, it also would enough. depend too on where you're holding it. So if you're holding it in an account that's taxable, and you could take advantage of some uh, some some tax loss there. That might be 
an indicator as to which one you should sell if you have one in a qualified, one in a, a non-qualified. Um, and, you know, I would say don't be afraid to have a little bit more than what is allocated towards the cash equivalent if you have the time to wait it out. So, um, so I need to know the duration of the funds, and I need to know my own duration. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very, very good answer. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. Right. You know, and the thing that I think people get hung up on so many times is they're looking at the position they have, and usually this happens when it's down and how much it's down, and they get stuck in this mindset of, you know, well, I'm a, I have to wait for it to come back because I just can't bear locking in the loss and losing money. But what you really have to look at, your asset allocation is going to drive your experience the most. And when I say your experience, I mean the volatility and the performance of your portfolio. So you want to keep that in line. Don't be afraid to sell something that's down in value because, you know, if you've been investing for any amount of time, you're going to know that you're not always going to pick a winner. That's part of diversification of a portfolio. So what you have to look at is you have to not look backwards. You have to try to look forward. So what is, you know, you look at just the dollars that are in that investment and you think going forward, does this have the most potential to do better where it is or somewhere else? And so if your asset allocation is off, the answer is most likely it's going to do better somewhere else. Wow. Wow, even even better answer. <laughs> great. <laughs> All right. Again, great job. And I've been making furious notes, and I'm going to re-listen to this. So uh, thank you, and uh, have a blessed weekend. Great. You too. Thanks so much, Jim. All right. Let's try to get to Rob real quick. Hi, Rob. Hey, good morning, Shanna. I just have a couple of uh, quick questions. Um, the Timothy Fund in our asset allocation models that we that, – I believe it's a we bought a couple of the funds and there's a two thousand five hundred dollar minimum. Is that right? Is that correct? Is that um, it could be depending on on which platform that you're using. A lot of times though, they will waive that minimum if it's an IRA account, whether it's a Roth or a traditional. Um, it's not. It's just yeah. We we don't we're going yeah. We're not doing any qualified accounts. Good for you. The other way to get around that sometimes is to set up a periodic investment plan. So, you know, let's say that you need to get um, $1,200 into the fund in the next uh, 12 months. You can set it up to go in periodically at $100 a month. You can see if that might work if you set it up as a periodic investment. Sometimes they'll waive that. Okay. And they're on the site and on the Timothy it, it, it'll there'll be a, a tab that says periodic investment plan. Uh, you you hold like the account that. at Timothy? No, I uh, I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure how my wife did that. She just bought the funds through. Um, I believe she bought the funds through uh, our. Um, Trying to remember the, the, the name brokerage of account. account. Yeah, the what brokerage you'll do account, is you'll go yeah. directly to your brokerage account and ask them. Just tell them you want to set up a purchase. If it's money that's already in the account, then you can set it up to go from, say, your money market, cash holding, whatever you have there, into that particular fund, and you set it up to go in once a month, and a lot of times they'll waive that minimum. Okay, great. That's good to know. Okay. And then one more question was that I, I believe I heard you say to be able to stay consistent and not get diluted to stay somewhere in the range of 25 to 35 different companies slash stocks. Yeah. And that that is uh, in reference to the individual stocks. Well, folks, we are here uh, every day to help you invest biblically, responsibly, to be, but more importantly, to be a good steward of all that the Lord has trusted you with. We have to remember time is short. The master's coming back. There's going to be a test. He's going to ask what we did with the time, talent, and treasure. And my prayer for you is that we are all found to be good and faithful stewards. Well, I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues, and Lord willing, we will be back next week. Same time, same place. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, 
then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.